It's true, isn't it? We all have stuff. Some of it is very apparent. We can see it. Um, we move and we lose friends. We get sick and people can see that. We get hurt. But then there's the other stuff that we have that people don't see. The hurts, the hang-ups, the struggles, those things that, uh, the guilt, the things that you can't see but are there. You know, every week we get uh, prayer cards. People ask us to pray for them. And every week, it's amazing to me how many people come in and they have smiles on their faces. And you ask them, how are you doing? I'm doing fine. But then you read a card and you say, you see the word cancer. You see the word, my father died. You, you know, you see all of this stuff going on and you realize we all have a lot of stuff. We all have a lot of things going on that that life is hard. Some of us carry guilt with us. There are some of us here today that would say, I have things in my life that I've never told anyone else because I'm afraid that if I told them, they might reject me. So the question is, what difference does the cross make to us? What difference does the empty tomb make to us when we all have stuff, we all have junk, and sometimes we carry more and sometimes we don't have quite as much. But everyone in this room has something right now that you're dealing with. And so what difference does the cross make? What difference does the empty tomb make? That's what we want to talk about. Because I think there's three things from our passage today that we'll talk about. Just something that you'll be able to take today and say, this is going to make a difference in my life in the days and the weeks to come. The passage I want to look at today is found in John chapter 20. It's one of the gospel accounts of the resurrection of Jesus, and it's that moment where the women go to the tomb. And I just want to read it to you. You can uh, just listen as I talk about it. Mary stood at the tomb, outside the tomb, crying. As she wept, she bent over and looked down into the tomb and saw two angels in white seated where Jesus' body had been. At one at the head and the other at the foot. They asked her, Woman, why are you crying? They have taken the Lord away, she said, and I don't know where they put him. At this, she turned around and she saw Jesus standing there. She didn't realize it was Jesus. He asked her, Woman, why are you crying? Who is it that you're looking for? Thinking he was the gardener, she said, Sir, if you have carried him away, tell me where you have put him and I will get him. Jesus said to her, Mary. She turned toward him and cried out in Aramaic, Rabboni, which means teacher. Jesus said to her, said, Don't hold on to me, for I have not yet ascended to my father. Go instead to my brothers and tell them, I am ascending to my father and your father, to my God and your God. So here's, here's what difference Easter makes. Number one, it's Easter is a time of forgiveness. It's time for you to find forgiveness. We all need forgiveness. Some of you might not admit it, but there's this inner guilt, this inner failure that you have. Or maybe you have somebody around you in your family, somebody who loves you, who, like, who likes to remind you why you should be feel guilty. But nonetheless, I think that we all have things in our lives that we don't reveal to others and we're ashamed of. And 
more than that, I think that we know that we fall short of God's standard. I think that we know that if we were to stand before God today, we might not do well. Well, how do you find forgiveness with God? It's interesting in our passage that we see Jesus in his empty tomb, and the first people that find the empty tomb are women. Now, in our day, we, we, we don't think too much of it, but in that day, that was significant because women were in the lower part of society. And in fact, the Talmud, the body of the Jewish civil and ceremonial law, states, and, and this is what it states about women, any evidence which a woman gives is not valid to offer. In other words, the word of a woman meant nothing. So it doesn't, it doesn't bring credibility to the Gospels that you would have a woman come and find the tomb if you were trying to bring credibility to the resurrection of Jesus. But Jesus doesn't care because he sees men and women as equal. And so the word of the woman was high in Jesus' mind. And so the women were the first ones to be at the tomb, and then the first ones to come back and bring the news of an empty tomb. But there's more going on here. Notice the message that he brings. Jesus says, Mary, he says to Mary, he says, Do not hold on to me, for I have not yet ascended to my father. Go instead to my brothers and tell them I am ascending to my father and your father, to my God and your God. Now hold on. Pump the brakes for a minute. Maybe you didn't catch this. He says to Mary, go tell my brothers. Now, he's not talking about his physical family. He had brothers and sisters. He's talking about his disciples. Yeah, remember them? They're the ones that, ra that ran away. They're the ones that fled the seat of the crime. They're the ones that left him when he needed him most. They're the ones that when Jesus asked them to stay and, and be awake in the garden, they fell asleep. They're the ones that when Jesus was hanging on the cross, they were nowhere to be found. They're the ones that are in fear, hanging somewhere, hoping they won't be discovered. And he calls them my brothers, <laughs> right? They were the ones that left Jesus when he had in his time of greatest need. And what does Jesus say to them? First, he calls them his brothers. And secondly, essentially what he's saying to them is, all is forgiven. It's time to move on. It's time to get busy. He could have said to them, and it's very easy, easily he could have said this. He could have said, you're a disgrace to me. Don't even, don't even bother coming unless you come groveling. In fact, don't even bother to come. I'm going to find other disciples. I've wasted three years with you, but I'm not going to waste any more time. But he doesn't do that. See, he is a God who forgives. And that's the power of forgiveness. You know, I've met people, and maybe you have too, and, and when you talk to them about forgiveness and you talk to them about forgiveness with God, some of, the, some of them will say this. They'll say, you know what? I've gone too far. I've, I, I've done too many bad things. I don't think there is forgiveness for me. Or they say, you know, I've been gone too long. Uh, I, there was a time where I kind of had an open heart, but you know what? I have I've made a mess. I've been gone so long. Maybe you'd be the one to say, you know, my life right now is so much of a mess. I don't see how God could ever forgive me. I don't see how God could ever help me. You know, I'm reminded of the story of the father of the prodigal sons. There's, he 
actually had two prodigal sons. And the story goes like this. The younger one says, Dad, I want my inheritance. And, you know, when you ask for an inheritance while your parents are still alive, that's usually not a good thing. And they kind of, you know, try that today at the Easter meal. Just say, hey, you know, whatever inheritance I can get, would you give it to me now? He's like, you know, look at your dad and your mom and just see, you know, how they respond. They won't say, oh, oh, cool, yeah, let me get it for you. No. So it was kind of like a slap in the dad's face. So he gets his inheritance. He goes away to a far-off country. He squanders it all, and he comes to his senses in the midst of a pig trough, feeding pigs, eating what they're eating, and he finally says, I need to go back to my father. And I'll tell my father, I messed up. I made a mess of my life. But you, but it would be better to be a slave with you than here in this mess. So he does a 180. He repents. He comes back to his father. And he's got the speech. You can, hear, you can almost hear him saying the speech on the way back. Father, I'm not, I'm not worthy to be your son. Let me be your slave, your servant. Let me serve there. And he's, you know, he's kind of saying it over and over and over. And, and, and now we switch back to the father. And the father's out there, and he's probably been looking for his son every day, praying for the day that his son would come up the road. And he sees a little, a little figure walking up there. He sees the dust from the road. And he's coming closer and closer, and his heart begins to grow. And he realizes it's his son. And he begins to rejoice because he's been praying for this day for years. And finally, 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 here comes his son, he is so overjoyed that his son is coming up the road. And he runs to, which is very uncharacteristic in that day, he runs to his son and he throws his arms around him. He throws his robe on him. He throws a ring on his finger. He calls for a party. The son can't even get the words out. Father, I failed you. And I just want to say to you that if you've really made a mess of your life, if the father says to you, I forgive. Let's take a look at it. Let's fix it. Let's work on this together. Because you were never meant to do this alone. Now, here's the thing. The people that you're sitting with right now, the people sitting around you, the people that you know, if you, they could tell you stories about what their life was before they came to know Christ, before they came to know Jesus and they would tell you stories and say, you are absolutely lying to me. That's not who you are. No, it's not who I am now. But it's who I was before God got a hold of my life. But here's the point you need to see. God takes your life where you're at, and he begins to do a transformational work. The Father's arms are open. This is a time of forgiveness. This is a day of forgiveness. This is a time where you come to God and you say, God, I want the forgiveness that only you can give me. Here's what you need to hear. He wants you back. He offers forgiveness to anyone who will come to him. No one is too far gone. No one is forgotten. No one is beyond the grace of God. Forgiveness is waiting for you this Easter. Easter Sunday is your day of return. No matter who you are, no matter what you've done. Today is the day that you need to return. Here's the second thing that we can draw from Easter in the empty tomb. It's time to find a true friend. 
You know, I'm convinced that we've made Christianity and the gospel very impersonal. We've turned it into a set of following some rules and regulations. I was raised in a tradition where I was told, follow the rules, do this, you know, check this, you know, check this box here, cross this T, dot this I, you know, and go through all the motions. Your heart doesn't necessarily have to be in it. As long as your body's there, that's great. And, and essentially, one day, you would stand before God and you would present him with your spiritual, religious, whatever you want to call it, resume. And, and God is supposed to look at this and say, oh, ooh, wow, you know what? Get in here. You deserve to be here. And you know what? I realized that's not the gospel. That's rules. That's regulations. Here's the true gospel, though. The true gospel is about a person. It's about a friend, someone who willingly gave his life to save mine. The gospel is about a savior I desperately needed that I didn't understand I needed. That, that no matter how good I was at keeping the rules and regulations, by the way, I wasn't very good at keeping the rules and regulations. But notice the text. Mary doesn't recognize Jesus. She's at the tomb. She's looking for the body. She thinks, and this was meant to be a temporary tomb. Jesus was going to, going to be there through the Sabbath, and then he was going to be taken out. They would prepare him. That's why the ladies went, to prepare him for burial, and then they would move him to another tomb. He was just there for a, a, you know, a short time. And so she thought the gardener had taken the body and moved the body out of the tomb. So she thought Jesus was the gardener until Jesus says one word. Mary, her name. And all of a sudden, she heard the voice saying her name, Mary. And immediately she understood who she was talking to. And you know what? Here's the thing. Jesus knows your name. He doesn't just know your name. He knows your life. He understands your ups, your downs. He understands your struggles, and he loves you deeply. He knows the worst thing you've possibly done, and he knows the worst thing you possibly thought, and he still loves you. You say, how much? John tells us, greater love has no one than this, to lay down one's life for one's friends. You are my friends if you do what I've commanded. I no longer call you servants because a servant does not know the master's business. Instead, I've called you friends for everything that I have learned from my father I have made known to you. Everyone in this room needs a friend. We need somebody who will go the distance with us. We need somebody who's going to be with us during those difficult times who's not going to turn their back on us, who's seen the worst and still stands there with us. We need friends like that. And Jesus is that friend. You know, we all, we all have some bad friends. You know who they are. Judgmental John, always finding fault in others, in you, but never in themselves. In fact, they'll call you on things that you're doing, and they're doing the same thing. Or there's distracted Dan, 
He's there, but he's not. His face is in his phone. He seems like when he's with you, he's kind of like there, but he wants to be somewhere else. Oh, there's negative Nancy and, of course, her cousin, Debbie Downer. You know, on a day like today, Debbie will look at the sky and find the one cloud there. The glass is always half empty. Her favorite song is wah, wah, wah. And then there's competitive Calvin. They're the ones that you're going through a difficult time, you're sharing a difficult story, you know, it's a chapter of your life. And, then, and, and you're just really looking for them to just commiserate with you, just empathize with you a little bit, just say, oh, that's too bad. But instead, what they do is they say, oh, you think that's bad? Let me tell you what happened to me. In the end, though, we all need a friend. And the interesting thing is that God didn't send us a scroll explaining salvation He sent his son to be our salvation. And that's a huge, huge difference. Jesus came personally from heaven. He wants to have a personal relationship with you. He wants to set you free and give you eternal life. He is already fully invested to the point that he went to a cross and gave his life and said the last three words, it is finished. And he came out of a tomb three days later so that you could be uh, made alive forever. Easter Sunday is a time for you to meet your best friend, and his name is Jesus. He already knows you, the good and the bad, the known and the unknown, and he still loves you and accepts you. He will never betray you or turn his back on you. He will never leave you. He's fully and absolutely committed to you. He's your friend. Easter Sunday is your day to find your best friend. Let me give you one more. Easter Sunday is a time to find real hope. A man was older man was walking through a baseball field watching a little league, little league game play, and he asked one of the boys on the bench as they just came in off the field, he said, What's the score? And the little boy said, Oh, it's eighteen to nothing. And the man said, well, you must be awfully discouraged and depressed. And the little boy said, why? We haven't even been up to bat yet. (laughs) Life could be like that, right? Some of you have gone through some absolutely terrible times, difficult times. Maybe you're in the middle of it right now. You're going through that time where you go, man, I don't know if I'm going to make it. You're struggling. Because life is beating you up. And you need hope. You need to know that there's help. There's hope. That this is not the end. That life's going to get better. That there's a a light at the end of the tunnel for you. And it's not a train. Right? See, when we look at the empty tomb, we look to Jesus. And what does Jesus say? A couple things. The resurrection of Jesus tells us that this life isn't all there is. The resurrection tells us that life doesn't end at the grave. This is so important because some of you have said goodbye 
to some people who have made an absolute difference in your life, and you love them dearly, but they're not here anymore, and you say, what do I do now? And the answer is, you understand that death is not the end. Secondly, the resurrection means that the worst thing that could ever happen to you can't separate you from Jesus and eternity. All it can do is raise you to life eternal. Paul tells us in his in 1 Corinthians, he says, death has lost its sting. In other words, we don't have to fear death. We don't have to allow death to, to be that bully that it's always been. We realize that death is just the door to new life, to heaven. The Bible says there'll be a new heaven and a new earth. That when we put our trust in Jesus, as he rose as the first fruits of the grave, so too will we. And we will live forever on a new, in a new heaven and a new earth. That's the hope that we have, that no matter how dark this earth can be, no, no matter how dark this life may be, there is light, there is hope, and there is a reason to hold our heads high. No, Jesus never promised us heaven on earth. The good news is that we can come to him in, with our doubt, with our discouragement, our disappointment, with our fear and frustration, with our pain and our suffering, with our loss of death. He understands, he knows, he understands what it is to be betrayed. He understands what it is to be misunderstood. His family at one point thought he was out of his mind. He understands pain. He understands suffering. He understands it all. So when you go to him and say, I've just been betrayed. I've just lost somebody I love. I've just, he says, doesn't just say, I will help you, but I've been there with you. I understand what you're going through. He can empathize with you. And he promises to be with you during those dark days. He promises that one day there will be a new way of life, a new heaven and a new earth. See, Easter Sunday is your day to gain a real eternal hope when life becomes impossible. Maybe you're there right now. Maybe that's the one message you needed to take away, that there's hope. There's an eternal hope that there is life. I love the quote by George Herbert. He says, death used to be an executioner, but the gospel has made him just a gardener. So on your chairs, we have these cards. They look like this. And it may be that this Easter is your time to make. See, one of the things that we want to do is we want to help you take one step closer to Jesus. And we don't know what that step might be, but there's three possible steps that you might need to take today. Maybe one of those steps is for you. The first one is maybe you've never made a commitment to Jesus Christ. You've never asked Jesus to come into your life. You've never asked Jesus to take away your sins. You don't, you don't even understand what that process is. It's very simple. It's understanding you're a sinner and you're lost and you need a Savior. It's asking Jesus to take your sins on the cross because what Jesus did is he lived the life we should have lived and he died the death we should have died. He took our sins so that we could be forgiven. He gave his life so that we could live. And so maybe you want to, as he gave his life to you, you want to give your life to him. And all I'm going to ask you to do is put your name on one side of the card and a phone number and check the card, check the box. I commit my life to the Lord today. 
maybe you're here and you've committed your life to the Lord, but you've never gone public with your faith. You've never been baptized as a believer. You've never uh, you've never publicly said Jesus is my Savior and he's, he hung on a cross for me. Now I want to stand up and declare publicly that he's my Lord and he's my Savior. And you want to do that today. Check the middle box and put your name and your phone number on there. And then the final one, it may be that you're like the prodigal son right now. I'm talking to some prodigal sons and daughters right now, and you've kind of walked away, and you think, well, it's been a long time. Yeah, it might have been a long time, but here's the thing. You can always come back. The door is open. His arms are wide. He wants you to come back, not next week, not next month, not next year, today. And you just say, God, I'm going to do a 180. Jesus, I'm coming back to you. You never left me, but I left you. And you're going to come back to him. Check that box. Now, here's here's what you're going to do with the card. I'm not going to ask you to raise your hand. We're not going to ask you to come forward. We're not going to do that. This is between you and God. But if you want help, if we can help you, here's what you do. You give us your name. Give us your phone number. Check one of the boxes. And when you leave after the service is over, as you go out, there will be some hosts with baskets. Just drop it in there. And we will contact you. We will help you take that next step, whatever that is. We'll have a conversation with you. We'll sit down and have coffee and say, let's talk about what that step looks like for you. This is a faith step. Our goal is to help you take one step closer to Jesus. We believe Easter is a time to take a step. So whatever step the Spirit of God is calling you to do today, do it. You feel far from God? You need to take a step. So I'm going to pray in a minute. You can fill the card out. Again, just take it. When you leave, you'll see somebody with a basket. Just drop it in there, and we will contact you. Now, when we call you, please, will you just answer the phone? Seriously. I mean, we're just going to help you. We, we don't have all the answers. We're just going to help you. That's all we're going to do. If you don't want help, don't fill the card out. Okay? that but here's what I want to do I want to pray with you because I absolutely believe that God is working in hearts today and I believe that he wants us to each of us to take a step whatever that step means take one step closer to him let me pray with you father thank you that you love us thank you that you sent your son your only begotten son thank you that Jesus willingly came and not just willingly came always betrayed and left alone and executed as a common criminal and willingly gave his life. He lived the life we should have lived. He died the death we should have died. But thank you, Father, three days later, he rose from the grave and he is alive today. And when we place our trust in him, we too shall live. Death is not the end. It is just a a door to heaven. Father, I don't know what step these folks need to take, but you do. And I pray that they would take the step they need to take, that they would take one step closer to you. I thank you that you love us. It may be, Father, that they need to take a step of faith and trust you for the first time, and they don't even know where to begin. And it begins with maybe a prayer like this. Dear Father, I realize I'm a sinner and I'm lost and I need a Savior, and I realize you sent Jesus to save me that I couldn't save myself. Jesus gave his life to me. And now I give my life to him. I don't know what that means, but I want to follow him. And I want him to come into my life. I want him to be my friend and savior. 
And, Father, if they prayed that prayer, I pray they would mark it on a card or tell somebody, let somebody know I asked Jesus to be my Savior. Or whatever decision they make, Father, I, I just believe that you're going to do, do a work in hearts today. So we'll leave it with you. We'll leave it with your Holy Spirit. But we love you and we thank you, Father, that we have hope today because of the resurrection. We have forgiveness. We have a friend. And we have hope. Hope that goes beyond the grave. And for that, we are so grateful. We're so thankful. We give you praise and honor and thanks. In Jesus' name, amen.